The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Burke. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett's joined Hackett Financial Advisors out of Florida. We look at these markets, and you and I were just talking before the final bell started about all these influences that are affecting the way we've seen the trade today. Obviously, some positive numbers that we got to deal with in in the grain markets, but there's a lot of, shall we say, fingers in the pudding uh, when it comes to getting this market traded today. Outside market influences, not only that, the partial government shutdown. So as you look at today's numbers, what did you see as some of the key influences for the positives that we had? Well, I mean, I think, I mean, from, from my perspective, you know, the, the positives that we see for the gray market still surrounds progression of the Chinese trade talks. And from what we hear is, you know, there's a, they, we're now going to be going to Beijing here in the first week of January with high-level officials for a another major round of negotiations, and one would think that that would not be happening if things weren't going well. And even though the market has been ignoring a lot of this good China news because of the government shutdown and the stock market losing 20% value and, you know, all these other factors that are, are causing um, other factors to drive the markets, you know, we think that, uh, you know, that's another positive development that if... Uh, continues to play out as you move into the new year should really start to put a bid back into the uh, gray markets, especially after this correction we've seen um, in recent days and weeks, which has really been driven by fear of capital markets than fear over any dramatic change in China trade talks. Well, you know, I was reading earlier this morning that they were talking about the ministerials and the conversations that were happening between the U.S. and China, obviously over the phone, but feeling that both sides were making some, some good headway when it came to the, the tariffs and the trade. I'm hearing everything very, very positive. And like I said, now they have, we have a definitive high-level meeting that's been confirmed that we're going to have all our guys going over to Beijing uh, for a, another major serious round of talks. And like I said, I cannot imagine that we would see that if, uh, you know, things were breaking down, if uh, one side or the other weren't, you know, living up to the uh, verbal agreements they made at the Argentine G20 uh, meeting. So to me, all this is extremely positive. I think once the dust settles over UN position squaring index, uh, rebalancing, you know, the government, I mean, there's a lot of noise, but I think once we clear this a little bit, I mean, it's really positive, and I think it could create a, a slingshot effect in grain markets in January that may, you know, surprise the trade who's all very bearish right now just because it's hard not to be when everything's falling day in and day out. Sean, can I play the devil's advocate here? Do you think that maybe because there's been such issues with African swine fever in China, the need to feed people, need to have the, the grains and the proteins coming in to, to take care of their livestock that they still have? All no factors doubt. in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've made this point in our reports in past weeks um, that what's going on with African swine fever, and it's just, it's totally spread just about everywhere. I mean, there's a major problem that they're really in a situation where uh, they can't play politics with food. They can play politics with a lot of things, but not with food. And I think this is bringing them to the table in a way that they may not have come to the table without that because they really don't have a choice but to make sure they have a reliable, large, secure inflow of food 
to take care while this problem is resolved. And no doubt, it's a, I, we think it's a big factor as to why the Chinese have really changed their stripes and have seemed to be much more open to, you know, what we've been proposing. Well, maybe two or three months ago, they were just pushing back and pushing back. So it's definitely a factor, and we think it's a very big factor. We also think, by the way, the stock market being down 20% and, and President Trump, you know, kind of getting into a situation where he's concerned about what might be future economic activity is forcing him to say, you know, well, maybe I need to do something because I'm looking really bad right now. So we think both sides have reasons to come to the table and maybe hash out a deal uh, that they weren't willing to do six months ago. Looking at the corn market, I wondered, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the ethanol margins? They continue to remain on the poor side. We're seeing a decent drop, I mean, below $2 in, in purchasing of gasoline. At some point, are we going to see an equilibrium and, and some help coming the way of the ethanol industry? Well, you know, everything you know, interacts with supply and demand and price. And obviously, when margins are down and ethanol producers can't make money, they pull back on production. Ultimately, that means that ethanol inventories will fall and, you know, prices will start to move back up. But, you know, it looks like energy prices have put in, it looks to us, a hard low here, maybe at 40, in the low 40s, and we're starting to stabilize. And it wouldn't surprise us that if we get some uh, amelioration of some of these negative macro factors, that oil can maybe move back into the 50s again, and that would be very supportive to maybe moving gas prices back up. Um, and, and helping the ethanol margins. So we think we probably are reaching or have reached the point of maximum bearishness in the ethanol situation. And we think that, you know, it's probably going to get better from here, not worse. So we think the worst of that is behind us. Looking at uh, soybean numbers, South America, that kind of leads into the U.S. as well. They've got some dry pockets that they're dealing with with this year, but overall some early harvest. Have you heard any concerns? Are we seeing some decent numbers coming in for, for Brazil? The numbers look good, but I would say that just not, I mean, we had some wild estimates that were put out a month ago, a month and a half ago of, you know, of uh, soybean production, you know, in Brazil of, you know, 128, 129 million metric, you know, just numbers are so large. And, you know, we think that those numbers probably got way ahead of themselves and not that the crop is by any stretch of imagination is bad, but we've already seen people paring back. Uh, those numbers and, and dropping them down some. So we do think that the numbers that we're seeing are good, but they're not confirming that good. And so on the margin, I mean, the whole less soybeans around than the market was expecting. And, you know, that plays into the idea that uh, if we can cut a trade deal with uh, the Chinese and they, you know, start buying more of our soybeans, you know, maybe the situation is bearish, but just not as bearish as, you know, we, already, we may have already passed the, the point of maximum bearish overall supply and demand equation that uh, the box are worried about all, all fall and into the early winter. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up with the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're being joined today by Sean Hackett with Hackett Financial Advisors. You and I talking during the commercial break uh, brought up all the other influences that seem to be happening, especially when we look to the south. And I mentioned that I've seen some farmers in Texas, and you mentioned some other parts of the, the southern U.S. still out there trying to get crops out of the ground when it comes to cotton. We know that guys up here still got corn, and some even have beans yet in the ground. How do you see this all continuing as we wrap up 2018 and a harvest that never seems to end? Well, what it means is, is that numbers are going to be coming down um, in terms of actual numbers, and, and quality is going to be coming down, especially for cotton, you know, where quality means a lot when it comes to what you get paid. Um, 
And so, you know, that's a positive development, something the market has ignored because it just hasn't been able to get itself over these other forces that continue to create fear selling in the market. But, you know, crops are going to be getting smaller. And, and not that that's going to, you know, change the, 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 the bearish fundamental picture, at least for soybeans, but it will take the bearish pressure off a little bit. And that is important because so much of our markets are driven by psychological perception. Um, and if that psychological perception goes from extreme bearishness to moderate bearishness, you actually can get a very large rally in, in prices. And that's what we think is very possible. We don't think that the current bearish macro environment that we're currently in it will remain this uh, pinned to the bearish side for very long. And we think when we come out from underneath this, there was a lot of opportunity uh, to the upside in these markets and, and hopefully some selling opportunities that will emanate if, um, if some of these other factors start kicking in, which we think they will once we move into January, especially into February. For these livestock producers that are closely watching this harvest as well, I know for the dairy industry, cotton is very important to them, as well as corn and soybeans as well. A lot of factors being looked at from a dairy producer's perspective as they look at not only feed costs, but the price of, that they're getting paid for their milk. Without, without a question. I mean, you know, and, and because the government has been offering, especially, especially for the dairy producers, they've offered some really interesting new programs for hedging. Um, where, you know, they can use government programs to lock in some long-term pricing because some of the long-term pricing out in the fall for the, for the dairy farmers actually not too bad. It's not great, but it's not too bad. And if they can use that government program, lock in that price, and then make sure they have their feed covered, you know, at least they know on some portion of their production, you know, they're not going to be bleeding money and having to ask the bank for more like they're doing right now. And so, there's no doubt that some really important decisions need to be made on the livestock side to make sure that your price and your feed are locked in in case we get some surprise to the upside. You wouldn't want feed prices running away to the upside by surprise, ruining what should be a, an ability to lock in some kind of a margin. As you look at, at the, and you and I have kind of talked about this, where we're going to see things happening within this dairy industry. And last time you talked, you said you were looking kind of at the second quarter to see some change-ups happening for our dairy producers. Um, yeah, I mean, our whole feeling is that the fundamental picture globally is, is really improving. And what we talked about last time was how the milk powder side was really exciting to us. So, for an example, the European Union, we had so much milk powder that they've been buying uh, milk powder into their intervention stocks to try to just, you know, do something because they had nowhere to go. And in the last three to four months, we have reduced those stockpiles by greater than 50%. Um, as as, we, as that supply is moving to private hands, because the demand is finally uh, been has been created over years of low prices, and 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 we're seeing this dramatic shift in the fundamentals of milk powder and milk powder prices have started to really really take off. And when we look at class four prices, which is milk powder, non-fat dairy, and butter, they're starting to break out to the upside, which is where we thought we would see the leading edge of this improvement in the dairy market. So it looks to us like the class four market's already turning the corner. Class three though, because cheese fundamentals are bearish and will stay bearish, probably may take until the second quarter to turn around. But overall, we're already seeing things really start to look better. And, and if you look at deferred pricing, you know, we're pushing into the 16s. I mean, things are starting to really turn around for the dairy producer who's looking out on the price curve. So we're very optimistic for 2019. As, as bearish as we were for 2000 and, 
and 18 were equally as oppositely bullish for 2019. We think it's going to be a great year for dairy producers. We just got to get through a little bit more time here, but we're already seeing big time changes in fundamentals, which are very, very supportive on a longer term price curve. As we get ready to wrap up this segment, look at the live cattle end of year buying. Are we seeing some support maybe moving into this trade? Absolutely. You know, prices tend to do very well at the end of the year. They actually tend to do very well into the into the middle of the first quarter. So this is a strong seasonal period for cattle prices to do well. We know that the beef supply from fourth quarter to first quarter is going to be one of the third largest drops in 20 years. Exports through the roof. And we know with the African swine fever absolutely totally out of control in China, we know for a fact that there's significant switching away from pork demand. For folks to get a hold of you, Sean. Best way is just to go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Well, thanks, Sean. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.